0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Thank you. Is this on? Is this on? Can you hear? Okay. Yeah. Is anyone else cold here besides me? Can, can we turn the heat up a little bit? It's freezing in here. <clears throat> I just sat through a 45-minute shivering meditation. (laughs) So good evening. It's nice to see you here. And um, congratulations for not being out shopping instead. (laughs) Although I know lots of people are doing their last-minute shopping. So so um, I just came back from being on retreat with uh Gil and Andrea um about a week or so ago, and the theme of the retreat that they did, that um they taught was uh wisdom that was the theme how to recognize wisdom so um obviously it's up for me, and I thought. Uh, maybe I would share some reflections with you on uh, my own retreat and <clears throat> and maybe it would spur something that's meaningful or useful to you as well. So, um, <clears throat> I want to talk about... Uh, I want to talk about how how we recognize things uh, in awareness or with awareness. And I'm going to use awareness and mindfulness uh, interchangeably sometimes, sometimes not. But um, basically that's what uh, I'm intending to do. So <clears throat> to begin, I want to say that awareness, the the very nature of awareness is the the essence of our existence. So how do we know we're here? How do we know we're in a body? How do we know we have thoughts and emotions and so on and so forth? And so these experiences, these things are known in awareness. So there's the awareness that is aware of, objects or what's happening in our experience. So so in order to cultivate qualities or a quality of wisdom, a quality of compassion, um, we're told, we're taught to allow whatever arises to just let it be. To, to recognize what 's there in our awareness, and not to push against it, not to resist it, so uh, to stay with awareness, we, we can meditate and um, we can sort of plug into this sense, this feeling of awareness, and uh, we can notice what ever's arising in the awareness, and we can recognize. <clears throat> Awareness itself. So, <clears throat> so the teaching is, when we're noticing things that are arising, we're we're instructed not to necessarily go towards those things or pull away from those things. We're not we're instructed to to um, not reach out in greed for things or. Push things away in aversion because we don't like it. You see, because when we do that, we get lost in it. It's sort of like if you were um, practicing mindfulness of breathing in your meditation and um, you, you suddenly found yourself uh, in the midst of a daydream. You're just thinking about something, right? You just, something comes up and you're, you're sort of caught by it. You see, when you, when you 're drifting in the daydream you 're just drifting in a daydream you 're lost but when you 're aware that you 're daydreaming when're when awareness knows what 's happening that you 're daydreaming you 're actually meditating see so there 's a difference there it's, it's, It sounds like it 's very it is subtle but it 's not so difficult to recognize it 's not you don't have to sit in a cave for a year to 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 touch this recognition so so when things appear in our meditation that we really like and that we're attracted to you know just see what's happening we don't have to go towards it and we don't have to push it away we don't have to pull away from it so so again, the teaching is not to pick and choose the objects of our awareness, but simply to allow awareness to to report to us in some way uh, what's actually going on. So the objects of our awareness, the things that we're noticing in our awareness, supports our own recognition of awareness itself. See? When, w- when we notice what we're... Here's the object of awareness. When I notice that I'm noticing this, it supports the recognition of awareness, but it doesn't necessarily, for the sake of this talk, remain the focus of the awareness or the... F- we don't want to just necessarily focus on the object. We want to be aware of awareness itself. So this is important because awareness has <coughs> certain qualities that can be recognized um, <coughs> that <coughs> allow us to, to, to rest in it. That there's a kind of spaciousness that's associated with awareness itself you see when when <clears throat> when we consciously turn our the focus of our attention towards awareness itself it's almost like there are no more boundaries there's just knowing there's a kind of knowing that's that's available to us but <clears throat> but <clears throat> in the space of awareness as we're we're beginning to work with it, we can notice that, <clears throat> that we are drawn towards the things that we like. And we do push away the things that we don't like. And we're, we can find we sit down to meditate and the mind just spins and spins and spins. And so we meet what sometimes feels like and sometimes called monkey mind, for those of you who've been around Dharma talks uh, you've heard this experience and and when there's something that we 're aversive towards, this is the whole point of this this talk because aversion is 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 somehow easier to recognize when we don't like something it doesn't feel good, so we really are trying to get away from it. And this is where I want to go with this talk. So when aversion takes over, we can feel that our monkey mind is busy at work trying to convince us that the problem we're dealing with is because of what we are perceiving out here. This is the problem instead of the problem being our mind itself, not seeing clearly. You see? So what we do is we say, oh, you're the fault, or he's the fault, or she's the fault, or et cetera, et cetera. We we see the problem as outside of us rather than the way the mind is working. It's how we don't see that the mind is confused. Does this make sense? do Do you resonate with this? So the mind of a, aversion and restlessness can be known. We just have to sit down and be quiet for a minute and we see. I'm going to concentrate on my breath and you breathe in and you breathe out and pretty soon you're replaying an argument you had when you were in high school with someone. So so we try to get away from that and when we dimi- dismiss the value of knowing this mind that's distracted and aversive when we dismiss the value of knowing, which is sometimes characterized as the voice of this chattering, nonstop, scattered monkey mind that's always telling us what to do and what to say and what to believe and what to buy and what to, what to, what to. Uh, We actually inadvertently grant it the power to push us around and we unwittingly reinforce a mistaken assumption that whatever the mind is telling us is actually true so we begin to believe ourselves have you ever seen the bumper sticker I love this bumper sticker that says don't believe everything you think have you seen this i yeah, don 't believe everything you Well, this is it. you know We think these things and then we we push our and not recognizing that really entraps us and when you go on a retreat when you 're meditating from six o 'clock in the morning until nine thirty at night, you have a, a lot of opportunity to see how aversive we are to being in touch with this aversive quality of mind. We get a lot of opportunity to do that. So right in that very moment, right there in that moment of seeing the aversion and and being confused by it and rejecting it, is where suffering arises. It's in, in relationship between the object and the projection of our aversion and our wanting a certain outcome. We, don't, we want a certain outcome. So there's a difference between the way things are actually presenting to us and the way we want things to be. You see, we sit down and we want to have a nice, calm, centered mind. We want to have an easy, smooth meditation. And the mind isn't cooperating. The mind is thinking about a million things or ruminating about this or ruminating about that. And, and so the Buddha actually teaches us that to misperceive reality is to suffer. So to misperceive the way things actually are is what causes us to suffer. This is part of what it means to be in delusion. So, suffering, I want to define suffering here so that we're all on the same page with it. Suffering is Any moment when things are other than the way we would prefer them to be, period. Any moment when things are other than the way that we would prefer them to be, we're in resistance to the way they actually are. And think about your own experience. That includes a lot, (laughs) that includes a lot of moments of suffering in our in our day-to-day lives there's a many many times throughout the days when things are different than the way that we would like them to be you see and in those moments when we're not perceiving reality as it actually is we are suffering so uh, we can know this cognitively but Why do we struggle with it? Why is it so difficult to get it right in the moment of our suffering? We can know that things are a certain way. We want them to be different. And we know that that's what the problem is. But there's still a problem. Does does that make sense? There's still a problem. We're still hooked. We still are stung by this. You see... So our bodies constrict around the resistance to being with things as they really are. They tighten up. We we resist things as they really are. And around being with where we are. So if things are occurring within us um, <coughs> that we're tightening up against, that we're resisting, we're feeling this quality of suffering. In that very moment, we're feeling this quality of suffering. And now I'm going to slip in (laughs) a Buddhist teaching here. And that is that when... This is going on when this resistance is going on. Our egos are hard at work and we don't recognize that things are changing. We don't recognize and see the truth of impermanence. You see? We resist because we think things are solid and unchanging. And we take on identities so we mistake our ego identities as a thing, as something that feels solid to us. It's almost like it's an. I. It's like it has an. It's an entity that has a shape and a form. You see, this is this is who I am. I, I know this isn't who I am, but I actually believe this is who I am, and so this. Belief in this misperception actually is causing us to be in confusion and and to, it creates suffering so um, there's a Tibetan teacher who I really uh, um, who I really like and and's been a, 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 a Great teacher in my life. He's a young man named Mingir Rinpoche. Some of you probably have heard of Mingir Rinpoche. But he actually tells, tells us or suggests that the fear of letting go of our familiar identities, our beliefs, our sacred cows, our self referential narratives, that this is actually a fear of freedom, fear a fear of freedom, a f- fear of the freedom that's known in the spaciousness of awareness. You see, we would rather hold on to the things that are familiar to us, even if we're suffering. The devil we know is better than the devil that we don't know, so to speak. So <clears throat> it's kind of shocking when you th- when he puts it, so bluntly that 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 this fear of letting go is actually a fear of freedom itself. So <clears throat> so the holding on that we do is it's just a it's a manifestation of our tendency to grasp onto things to grasp on to the objects of our awareness or the things that we're aversive to, the things that we want or the things that we don't want. And we don't see things arising and passing away in our experience. We think that they're solid, you see. So we don't see that there's a process going on you see we think that there's an entity we think that this is who i am rather than that i'm a process that's occurring so <clears throat> so what happens is is that it's easy to think that this entity is unchanging and solid, and that this is actually a self. Does it make sense? Yes? This is me. This is who I am. This is mine. So, so, the truth is that the ego isn't solid, nor is it an unchanging object. It's more like a process that follows through on our tendency to grasp at things and to hold on to fixed ideas and identities. We tend to do this. We tend to just grasp onto things and we fixate on them and then we actually end up believing these things and we lose touch with what's really going on inside of ourselves you see the constriction and the contraction happens so automatically that we take it as normal you see we take it as part of of our life as who we are and while it could be true while it is true in an ultimate sense that these roles and identities that we take on are mental fabrications and they're not inherent to to who we really are we can't simply just wish these things away we can't say you know <laughs> be gone damn spot it just doesn't it doesn't happen like that it it took us time to actually believe in these things to actually cultivate these ideas and um, we need to recognize that it may take time for us to let go of these things You see it's one thing to say just let go you see we see okay in this moment this is what's happening But I really don't want this to be happening. I want something else to happen. Therefore, I'm suffering. Well, that's great. But we still feel the sting of this suffering, right? You see? So it took us a long time to come to to cultivate strategies and ways of being with ourselves that... That uh, we you know grew familiar with, and if those ways of being we now see as, as a cause or a condition for us to suffer you see, we can't just wave a magic wand and make those things go away, because it's just, we're conditioned to respond in that way. So, in order to be with the truth of this, it requires that we cultivate real kindness, kindness for ourselves, real caring for ourselves. It requires that we cultivate patience with ourselves. It requires that we cultivate compassion, compassion for ourselves. And for For everyone else. Everyone is in the same boat. You see, it's one thing to see, it's one thing to recognize in a moment, oh, this is how I'm confused. This is how I'm suffering. This is how, fill in the blank. And it's another thing to live that realization going forward. So a lot of people um, uh, in the introduction I'm sorry, I don't know your name. Yes. He mentioned that I teach a compassion program at Stanford. And a lot of people have the mistaken idea that if they are compassionate or they can recognize compassion in a certain situation uh, <clears throat> that the recognition of compassion or the accessing of compassion means that whenever that situation comes up again that they're going to be able to resolve it by being compassionate which is a great idea but it doesn't necessarily happen that way you, you, you see it, uh, we can see something and um, actually have an experience of being free for a moment, and then the next 10,000 times we miss it, and we have to go through the thing over and over and over again. So if we're struggling with, with something like, I see that I'm aversive to to. To this object, whatever the object happens to be, I see that i 'm aversive to being aversive, that I've, aversion is arising in response to the awareness of a of aversion itself. you see when we we, we we see this, we might be free for a moment oh now i 've seen something i 've had an insight. This is the arising of wisdom, you see. And then we're caught by it. The very next, you know, five minutes later, we're caught by it. So it requires patience and kindness and compassion to be with ourselves at this level. And this is—I I admit that this is kind. This is a a bit subtle and and maybe a little bit refined. And we're not necessarily used to being with ourselves in this way. It's a little bit easier when you go off on a retreat and you can't get away from yourself. But um, in, in our normal life, this is going on just as much as it is going on in our retreat life. So <clears throat> so that you don't go away tonight thinking that i 'm suggesting that the ego has no other function than to you know harangue us it 's important to include in this talk that we also have healthy egos we have um, we, we can have a healthy sense of self uh, and that in uh, that includes um, the ability to access. Um, the quality within us that knows right from wrong that knows um, uh, what 's harmful and what 's not harmful what 's wholesome these these qualities are known this is this is discernment uh, what protects us and what exposes us you see the, the no we can 't function without an ego but um, but The ego sometimes gets, uh, um, you know, it's easy to think that the ego just harangues us. So the only time this healthy ego, the expression of this healthy ego, becomes a problem for us, this is worth mentioning as well, is when we become attached to these basic instincts that know right from wrong, and we create stories about how good and how smart we are. You see, we become attached to them, and this this can turn into the sting of conceit, so to speak. <clears throat> so the confusion that arises in us whenever we cling to our Beliefs and our expectations is what obscures our clarity of being with this mind that feels spacious, being with this quality of spacious awareness. Even the experience of presence itself is hard to, to recognize. See, it's a little bit like we lose touch with ourselves. See, imagine that if you were walking on a balance beam, and you were com- you were completely comfortable and and um, um, in a state of of awareness of being <laughs> with yourself, and then, oops, something comes along, and triggers you. And you fall off the balance beam. You start to slip off the balance beam. And then there's this response to try to reestablish a sense of balance. You see? And if we can be clear about what's happening, then then we have a greater chance of coming back into balance with ourselves but what happens for most people for a lot of people happens for me a lot is that when i fall off the balance beam or when i notice other people fall off their balance beam they get we get dis- so distracted and so unnerved by being Off the beam by being out of balance, that we're desperately defaulting to old habitual ways of being with ourselves, even though those ways aren't productive of reestablishing balance. It's almost like we're desperately grasping to try to get back on the beam or back in the boat. You see, we've fallen out. And we chastise ourselves afterwards, maybe afterwards, for for being lost like that. When in fact, when we're so lost, when we're so distracted, what's the likelihood that we can come up with a skillful response? You see? So... You have to do something. You have to give a talk or you have to lead a meeting or you have to do something. And something comes along and it triggers you. You see? Now, you still have to give the talk or you still have to lead the meeting, but you're triggered and you're trying to calm yourself down and give your talk or lead your meeting. See? The likelihood that the meeting is going to go the way that you want it to go when you're in this state of distress is really diminished. However, if you were able to reestablish balance with yourself, the likelihood that you could go in and do your talk or lead your meeting in a in a skillful way, is increased. This is just common sense. But we don't think about that when we're lost and when we're just reacting. See, We're in a hurry. We're going somewhere and we get stuck in traffic. Every corner, there's a red light. You see? And that anxiety just builds up from red light to red light to red light until we're ready to, to jump out of our skin. See, it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so, when the mind is in a state of confusion, when we've fallen off the balance beam, We don't have the capacity to understand what's going on beyond our concepts of what's going on. You see? And we don't recognize that that's what's happening. We're lost in the daydream, and we don't know that we're daydreaming. We're just lost in it, and we're fighting desperately to get out of it because something tells us this isn't where we want to be, <laughs> you see? And we're trying to get out of it. So <clears throat> I think it's, it's actually feels kind in a way to recognize that the mind that's lost like that it doesn't have the capacity to see beyond its own concepts. You see, you can, and in that moment, in that recognition, you can forgive yourself for all of your clumsiness, you see. And I want to just circle back to what I said at the beginning. And that is, when we dismiss the value of knowing this mind, this mind that's lost and can't see what's going on, which is sometimes characterized like the monkey mind, and so on and so forth, we unwittingly allow that mind to be the way that we react, and it pushes us around. It just pushes us around. It controls us. It takes power away from us. But when we actually can see that that's what's happening, there's a possibility for some sense of freedom, some sense of real freedom that happens. And this is is wisdom. Wisdom sees this. Wisdom sees this, in conjunction with compassion that can hold it because it's a difficult thing to be with we don't we want things to be other than the way that they are and they're not that way you see so it's wisdom and compassion can uh, co-arise so uh, this is th- it becomes a ch- challenge to try to talk about this, even to talk about this, because words can only sort of uh, point towards it, but we really can't conceive of what it's like to to be with a mind that's that clear, in a way, or talk about a mind, describe a mind that's that clear, They can see these kinds of things. And... <clears throat> every idea that we might have about it as we struggle to, to describe it or to wake up to it, it's really far removed from the actual experience itself. You see? When, when you know <clears throat> that you've touched a moment of freedom... You see, how do you describe it when you know that you've had uh, an authentic human connection with someone else? You see, we can sort of point to what that experience is like with words and try to describe it, but there's this direct knowing that happens. So So most of us, Start with the idea that when we sit down to meditate, that we're supposed to feel calm and peaceful. And sometimes we feel that way and we're delighted with ourselves and we conclude that we're doing it right and things are great. And then what happens if we stick with it? All hell breaks loose. And we we are dealing with all the things that I've been talking about. And it can become a big problem for us. So we don't like being in the state of wanting one thing and getting another. And uh, we don't see that our preferences set up this dualistic um, um, s- struggle within ourselves. We want things to be smooth and undisturbed we want we want you know we don't we don't want to be tossed about by the waves of the ocean so when the mind becomes turbulent we conclude that it's not possible for us to to meditate or we assume that we're doing something wrong but we actually aren't it's our conclusion and our assumption are not true at all. What is true is that there's no freedom to be found in trying to get rid of our actual experience. And here's the point of this whole talk we sit down t- to meditate and we meet things within ourselves that we wish we didn't have to deal with. You see? And so we come up with all sorts of ways of being with them, strategies to try to outwit them, out outrun them, and so on and so forth. But there's no freedom at all to be found in trying to get away from what is actually happening in our experience. And when we look at the mind that's trying to do that, we see that it's actually seduced by and glued to the aversion or the agitation or whatever it is that we're caught up and we're in a cycle of rumination and we're turning over our very (coughs) uh, human experience of being, we're turning our very human experience of being agitated and distracted into something that it's not. It could be a tempest in a teapot. It could be something big, but oftentimes it 's something little, and we really turn that into something that that begins to drive us nuts yet and yet our hearts, even recognizing this intellectually, our hearts still feel threatened. we react almost instinctively, to protect ourselves from even the mere perception of threat. Seeing this, seeing this, just seeing this, is the initial stage of working with our minds. You see? This is the beginning of freeing ourselves this is the this is the very beginning we have to see what we're actually doing we have to see what's what's happening and when we see what's happening and we can accept what's happening and we can recognize that seeing it once isn't going to do the trick that we have to really work with it and we have to see it over and over and over again. We have to be patient with ourselves. We have to be kind with ourselves. We have to be compassionate with with ourselves. When we're able to connect with our own awareness, we can be with whatever is arising. You see? We can see that everything is constantly in flux. We can see that everything is constantly changing. We can see that part of the problem that we have is that we believe that things aren't going to change. You see, I'm going to drink this water because I'm wanting the water and then I'm going to be unhappy because there's no more water. You see? It sounds like that's kind of a silly example, but everything is changing. When we don't see that everything is changing, when we hold on to wanting things to be other than the way that we, they are, we perpetuate this cycle of delusion, of confusion, this cycle of suffering. And we do this over and over and over again in our lives. But by letting things be, we can begin to allow for the inherent movement that's just an an indisputable part of nature. Everything is constantly moving. Everything is in flux. We begin to see that our preferences and our we begin to also see that our preferences and desires, um, uh, when we chase after them, that we block our ability to see this changing nature, this flow, when we chase after them to grasp onto them. So awareness itself contains impermanence. Awareness itself shows us that impermanence is in every moment. You see, and um, freedom or liberation, if we want to, if I want to use this word, comes from recognizing this. You see, when you recognize that everything is changing, that you don't have to struggle with being unhappy with yourself or. Dissatisfied with things as they are that everything is changing this this is 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 an actual moment of liberation, and to recognize reality as it is makes this kind of recognition and liberation a spontaneous experience when when you can be with things as they really are, rather than struggling against them over and over and over again. You can, there's a, this type of recognition um, is liberating, it's freeing. So, so I know that this is a little bit of a heady talk, forgive me, because I just came out of retreat and, and I'm, I'm 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 still dealing with this kind of thing, but um, a simple way to sort of encapsulate it is when we see things, when we have to deal with things in our experience that we don't like dealing with, and and that we're unwilling to acknowledge, we're going to suffer you see, and when we're told, we'll just let go, and we know that letting go is a good philosophy, but it's not an easy thing to do, you see, we can accept that this is what it's like for us to be human beings, and that it's important to see that this is going on, and to allow ourselves the freedom to just be human beings, to, 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 to be able to be with things as they really are. So, <clears throat> so, this type of allowing lets wisdom arise within us. So I want to wish all of you... Um, Happy holidays and, um, and clear seeing, clear sailing and a happy new year. And um, if any of you were a little bit past nine o'clock, if anybody has any questions, I'll, I'll hang out here for a few minutes. But uh, thank you for your attention and for letting me share some of these reflections with you.